Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hook me up with my beats. Yeah, I like that. Oh, you got you some, uh, some music? Well, yeah, I, I forgot my, uh, my beats earphones here yesterday. I was terrified. Ah, beats, I was like, beats, man, beats. someone going to check them. But no, he got them for me. Shout out to Ryan. Bro, I feel like I need to, uh, I feel like I need to, uh, call on the K Crusader. I really do. I really do. But we'll wait. We'll wait. I know we're getting there. It's our latest Pistons trends. Look who I found. Mr. Jeff Iafrady. Mr. What it do? Everything. As Rod Beer calls him, Mr. Hollywood now, huh? Man, dude, I, I miss Rod. I miss talking to Rod. I, I, <laughs> there are some stories I, I'll tell Rod, and he, I know he'd flip it into a Hollywood joke, so I got I to gotta watch here. But, uh, like, for example, this morning, shout out to Birmingham Rose because I, I get, you know, I get a Red Bull occasionally sometimes i like red bull so i'll yeah. get one from birmingham and they'll put it it comes by drone for jeff no it, uh, well, <laughs> no you know it's funny it's it, you know it's funny shout out to uh to shout out to everybody in there because they they'll they'll give me a cup with ice in it yeah and i'll put the red bull in the cup of ice and i swear to god if i told rod that you know what he'd say he'd say of course they do of course they get you a i'm cup. not gonna i'm not of course gonna they get him. you a cup with ice and red bull in it i'm not gonna I'm tell like, him. i'm gonna wait for you damn, to, to tell him that story dog. oh he's dude, gonna love he, it too. he's gonna yeah he's gonna shred me Shout out to Rod, man. But, he's, he's awesome. But I need you, though, man. He's the best. Because I do need to hear that story later. But you were at that game. You were at the Clippers game. And it's it's generally when I'm going to these games, I'm like, yo, some of our crew's there. Some of them is not. When you guys aren't there, it's like, I wonder what you're feeling, what you're seeing from that side. But you were in the arena. Yeah. You got to tell your story. You got to tell me, tell the people exactly what was going on from your perspective, man, before we get into Hey, we got to talk about a little bit of the the, the blame on that game because the microcosm of the whole season as well in terms of some things that we've seen. And then mm-hmm. we're going to get into the effects of K. Cunningham and losing him and what that looks like. We talked about it with Rod, but yep, you got to get into it, bro. So I'll give you my perspective. So a shout out to Booner, by the way. He uh, was am- unable oh, to go Booner. to the game. He's got season tickets, and uh, he hit me up. He's like, Jeff, you want to you go to the Clippers game tonight? I'm like, heck yeah. So me and my boy go down there, uh, my, my buddy Jake. Uh, loves basketball. Me and him have been going to games, a couple games this season. Uh, he actually was there when you met him, so he, he was on War Pistons. But anyway, we go to the game. We're watching the game, and 
it was actually a great showing. LCA was packed there to my surprise. I know it was after Christmas, but still for one of the worst teams and LA isn't a, a huge fan draw, but still a lot of people were in attendance. I like the environment. Um, and then you watch the first quarter. The Pistons played a great half. They played a great third quarter. Um, after being down double digits, they clawed back. The crowd's in it. You get to see Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran have good games, especially Killian in the first quarter, by the way, looked like the second coming of James Harden. Uh, but watching all of that, it was, it, I, I was enjoying myself. And then you get to the fourth quarter, and defensively, it's kind of been the same as, as all year, but still they, they compete. They take a, what was it, a 14-point lead. Um, with three minutes left and funny story. So I don't know if I can take blame for this and I will regardless. So it's about four minutes left in the game. We're getting closer to the three minute mark where they threw the lead and Tyron Lou pretty much cashes it in, takes out the starters, says, all right, guys, pack up. We're going to Toronto tomorrow. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just get this one in the bag. It's a loss. Pistons won this one. We'll put in our second unit. So I look at my buddy. I go, you know what? Let's let's beat traffic. Uh, Pistons have a comfortable lead. Let's scoot out of here and uh, just avoid the chaos when everybody leaves LCA. So we leave. We, we get in my car. I'm driving away. I'm on the highway. About 20 minutes pass. And, you know, I want to check ESPN. I want to check the box score. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Bro. When you saw, when you eventually saw that box score, <laughs> oh. I need like seriously because you left like, yo, they won. It's it's this is over. Like, yeah, I had this. I was in the middle of an important text. And I was like, you know what? Hold on. What was it? What, bro? What happened when you saw that this team lost? What was your very first reaction? No, uh, nothing. I was silent. <laughs> I was silent. I didn't. I didn't know what to tell my friend who just enjoyed himself at a Pistons game. I looked at him. I go, um. So the Pistons lost uh, in overtime. <laughs> and my first shock was it was in overtime. And then the second shock was they didn't even compete in overtime. They scored three points and they lost. Uh, but it was a lot. Uh, I had to sit there and, and I kind of laughed about it. But at the same time, I'm like, I just can't catch a break, man. I, I Should I have stayed? I, all these thoughts are going through my mind. Did I jinx them by leaving when they were up? Bro. Um, it was terrible. It really I was. I had to go back home at when I got home. I rewatched the the last three minutes just to see what I missed in overtime, just to kind of comprehend or at least try to comprehend how that lead was completely tossed away. But that was, uh, and then I got. And you know what made it worse too? Man. Screw ESPN, by the way, because they hurt my feelings more with the stat. With the stat please, man. teams are twelve two and twelve thousand eight hundred and eighty, whatever it was in in games when you're trailing by fourteen points with three minutes left. Now they're three. And 12,800 and whatever it was. So the Pistons made history, but they weren't on the good side of history. Not at all. <laughs> they, at were all. On, they were on the bad side. Not um, at all. It was man. a complete meltdown. You could probably argue, Brandon, that was that was the lowest point of the season. It really was. It that yeah. Because they were so close. And, and the fact that Isaiah Stewart came out after the game and, and I loved his quote, um, talking about this. They didn't that this isn't on the coaches. This is on us. I mean, we're out they said, there. They just didn't execute. They didn't execute. And if you people want to target Dwayne Casey, whatever, that's your narrative. For me, I look at the position Dwayne helped these guys get into, which is a 14-point lead with three minutes left. Like, what can you ask of him? I mean, you're you're up 14 with three minutes left. You got to close the game. I mean, Dwayne isn't out there making shots, missing shots, and, and playing defense. They missing just free throws, missing, missing free threes. throws, which were huge. The fact that Paul George, I think he got in with 30 seconds left. Like he was not even in the game when the comeback happened. Um it was a disaster, but that I agree with with Isaiah Stewart. I don't think people would say, "Well, he's just saying that to protect Dwayne." No, he's not. He's honest, and I that's agree with him. That, that's on is. the players. 
that's not the type of guy Beef Stew is. You no. know, when he speaks, if you think he's the type of guy that would just lie to you, just to lie to you on that front, it's just like, bro, we can see through you. He right. has not presented himself like that. Other people, I think, are more savvy with what they say. Yeah, I think Coach Casey was very savvy with what he said. When he said, it's on all of us. The reality is this team is learning. Do I believe that there are some things he could potentially do to maybe put this team in an even better position? Yeah, but at, at that time, I feel like we're parsing and pulling hairs and things of that nature. Like, in the reality, if you remove Casey from this squad, what exactly do you add to it? I feel like if we trust in Troy... And we trust that Troy knows what this squad is about, what the squad should be producing, uh, and exactly what they're trying to do. You know, Rod and I talked about it being a development year. Then you put this squad in position to see exactly what you have. And you know what we need to know? If losing K, and we'll get to there, has affected this team in certain regards, or, you know, to the point that they, in close games, aren't finding a way to pull them out. Right. When you look last year in that 10 and 14 stretch after All-Star, Kay Cunningham and his fourth quarter heroics was a big part of why they won. So the next step in development is how do we augment this team with players that can do that? And you have to figure that out. Can Killian do it? Can Boyan be that? Because if not, guess what you need next year? Another guy who can do that. And they're going to have the cap space and the draft capital and things to do that. So it sucks to know, all right, this has turned into a development year when this initially with Kay Cunningham was supposed to be a year to see this team go out there and battle. The team said it, be competitive every night. The team said it. They want to be able to compete for a play-in. And then they start the season not just without K, but injuries to the bigs, mismanaged rotations and things of that nature because Bojan was dropped in Casey's lap, boom, right, right. before the season. Uh, stretch four, stew, that messes things up a little bit too, and then all the injuries. So it's just like there's a lot. I do believe, you know, that there is something to, you know, Casey. And I want to I want to ask you first, I guess. Um, you know, I've talked about it as well. Some of the rotations – uh timeouts and when they're called or not uh some of the defensive schemes you know mm -hmm. putting your players in a in a best position to succeed you know it's, these are some of the things that i if i was gonna have any criticism from game to game especially in that dallas game that's one of the criticisms i would have i don't right. believe that is the top three issues but i believe it's something that definitely hampered this team and i want to get your opinion on it as well as we talk dwayne casey the question, I think, and this is for Troy, obviously, he's making these decisions. Do you feel like Dwayne is holding this team back that much to where you make a decision like that midseason? I would argue no. That That's the question I would have for, for fans. You're looking at it. If you fire Dwayne right now, where does this team go from there? Number one, it's I don't think, at least, is my opinion, for a young team to have inconsistency at the coaching position. Like Keep Dwayne for the whole season. It doesn't matter at this yeah. point. You're tanking for a draft pick. I think there are legitimate criticisms people have of Dwayne, and that's fine. I think you can go and you can name criticisms for a lot of coaches in the NBA. But to say that he's the sole reason why this team isn't winning, I think is idiotic. It's, it's, yeah. um, I, I don't want to go as far as to say is it's somebody that is very reactive in, in looking at the results and trying to find someone to blame because, as you know, it's much easier to replace a coach and a player. So if, if you can't fix issues, well, fire the coach. In this situation, that doesn't apply. Because we know Dwayne is the second oldest coach in the NBA. We know he's not going to be coaching in the NBA much longer. So Troy's looking at it like Steve Eiserman looked at it with the Wings. The conversation, I know how many shows I did with Adam during the Wings season last year, and people kept saying, fire Blaschel, fire Blaschel. Why isn't our, our Eiserman firing Blaschel? Fire him right now. That's a great point. And, and, and D-Max said up there, and this is why I respect D-Max so much, he said, it's the it's the wiser plan. It's his plan. Hmm. He when he will fire Jeff Blaschel when he feels oh, like it's, Jeff it's heat. absolutely necessary. And what happened that summer? He got rid of Blaschel. 
And now you have Derek alone. You see anybody talking about Derek alone? No, no one's talking about Blashill. It's over. So and again, fans are, I don't blame fans for being reactive. They're passionate. They care about their team. That's fine. So saying fire Blashill, I'm not going to hate you for that. But the big picture is if Troy Weaver's that dude, which we think he is, when there's a time and a place where he feels like this team is ready to compete and he feels like Dwayne's holding them back, he's going to make a decision. I think, and we all agree here, that Dwayne will probably transition into a different role this offseason. I would yeah. be shocked if he comes back next year. But to say fire him right now, for what? I mean, you, you don't have Cade. You're, you're relying on – you have two rookies starting in the starting lineup, a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old. It's it, Four th- of your this draft team picks has the to last learn three how, years. Absolutely. And this mm-hmm. team has to learn how to win. They do. And defensively, they are terrible. I understand. But we we knew that. I mean, we said the, the loss of Jeremy Grant, it would affect them more on the defensive side. What is it doing? They're terrible defensively. It's it, it, This is my point. So, again, moving forward, it doesn't change how I feel about the rebuild. I think the future is extremely bright. This roster is very incomplete. There's a lot of moves that need to be made with free agency, drafts. You never know when to trade. With Troy Weaver, you can make a trade any given day. So, again, I, I'm not down on the Pistons in their future. And even with Dwayne, I think Dwayne's doing a good job developing players. He's the one who trusted Killian. Like, people, if you, if you left that decision to start Killian to the fans, they would have never started him. How, because of how he was playing what before. If, what if Stan Van Gundy was the person in charge of Killian Hayes? Oh, he would have been done. He That's been what I'm talking DMPs. about. DMPs. That's not what I'm playing. talking about, bro. Dwayne gives him the trust, starts him, says, you know what? Let's go. And Killian's playing extremely well. But no one will give credit for him for that. Nobody will give credit for him finally, or really easing Jalen Dern along this season and then starting him and Isaiah Stewart in the front court. It's It's... For Dwayne, the criticism, I just don't think it's necessary right now. Wait, there's clearly, and that's why I'm not panicking. I know there's going to be a move that's made. It's not now. That's my point. It's not right now. You're not going to fire Dwayne right now. Troy will find his guy and bring him in when he feels necessary. And, and Troy, to me, has earned that trust. I trust Troy to make that decision. And until otherwise, um, I'm going to keep the same feelings I have right now, which is, is Dwayne holding this team back that much? And right now, no. Yep. If they had expectations to go to the playoffs and they were at this record, of course. But their expectations with Cade was, what was the over-under? 27 wins? 28 wins? And we said over with Cade. He's not here. And honestly, how it was trending with Cade. Wait, they, that was at best. That was at best. That was said, at best. I said 30 at best. I said <laughs> at 30 best. at best. I didn't think they'd make the play-in. If they get 20-something wins, I'll say they get 21 wins. They're nine wins less without Cade. Yeah, sounds about right. Just because of the stat you brought up with how important he was. Late in games, mm-hmm. it's uh, and Jay Nivey adjusting to being that dude, Killing Hayes adjusting to being that Jaylen dude now. Durin. It's Duran now. Start it's adjusting there's so many things that, that are that are so many moving parts for the Pistons. I just don't think all, all taking it all and saying it's Dwayne's fault is is just unrealistic. Yep. Isaiah Stewart learning how to play, uh, what stretch four, yeah, playing this, and shooting the ball well this year. That's too. where I was gonna go because these are the things is like, okay. I don't have a problem leveling in, and I want people to put in the comments what what role and what blame do you put on Dwayne Casey? What is it that you believe he should be doing differently? Because I honestly want to parse this. I want to be able to get into it in later right. Pistons trends. And again, there's, there's and legitimate criticisms you can Legit. have with Dwayne. That's fine. You can criticize, but to say fire him right now, I just right. What's the point and the purpose of firing right now? What do you do right now? And do you ignore all of the signs of development, like Isaiah Stewart right now in the year? His overall numbers at 11.7 points, 8 rebounds, 1.2 assists. Some people said don't write home about that. With what you know about Isaiah Stewart, his development and such, and that he's making a change or a switch, that's where things become very, very interesting, right. especially at three-point numbers. 
on the year yeah. he's shooting 47%. But how many field goal attempts per game is he getting? Only 8.4. He's making four of those a game. Three-pointers, man. 38% on the year. 4.1 three-point attempts. It's not like he's just shooting them every now and then. I may make one one game, may miss an extra. 1.6 makes a game, 4.1 attempts. Four attempts a game. I, I, my prediction for Isaiah Stewart was, you know, 30%. He's shooting 38. I mean, that's that's impressive. And, and again, that, that's not all Dwayne. Obviously, Isaiah Stewart's worked on his craft, but trusting him and, and allowing him to be like, you know what, Isaiah, you can Game play the plan, four. The, the, the how you yes. run up the plays and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So nobody will talk about that, though. I mean. It's 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 well that's all Isaiah Stewart's credit. He he didn't uh, Dwayne didn't develop him. It's like when when are we picking and choosing between giving credit because if a player regresses, well that's Dwayne's fault. But if a player improves, well that's the player. He he's he worked on his game. Where's the where's the the line? That's that's what I'm asking because yep. I've had this conversation with people multiple times and I just, I don't understand it. Yeah, and that's why I want them to do it. Put it in the comments. Let us know what you think we may be missing because there are things to criticize the lineups and all that. And I have a theory yeah. on why I think it looks the way that it does. I, and we'll move there now. Um, Dwayne Casey was brought here to win. He was brought here to win now. He was not brought here as a part of the rebuild. And honestly, when Troy Weaver got here, the rebuild didn't start until Blake Griffin was gone. Right. Not until Blake Griffin's gone and Kay Cunningham is drafted did the rebuild start. That was just when last, yeah, season. last season. Dwayne Wade was, I mean, Dwayne Casey was brought here to win. He had a squad that was decent enough. They what? One, they went to the playoffs what? One time under SVG, one time under Dwayne? Yeah. That, that was the year for Dwayne. They won like 40 games. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's, and, and so he proved you put a, just a little bit. Would anybody right home and say that that team was a good team? Right. Right. They, you put, you gave them a little bit of talent. They made the eighth season. And Blake had a career year that year. Too. He had a career year that year. They made the eighth seed. They didn't know what to do with Killian Hayes. Seeing the growth in Casey and how he's dealing with the young players just from that year to this year is night and day. But he, on the fly, has had to go into rebuild mode. Now, if I'm a coach that's always been associated with teams that are ready to win now, teams with veteran players, teams who I don't have to coax and coach six, seven, eight draft picks over the last three, from the last three years, he's been a pretty decent coach. Yeah. There's things we can criticize, definitely. But... So when I see him do things like, okay, he doesn't call the timeout at the three-minute mark, he, you know, to, to, to make sure when his team is losing that lead that he gets them settled. He waits until it's, what, a four- or five-point lead till he, when he calls the timeout. That's something that we used to see Larry Brown do with the old Detroit Pistons. When they were good, though, because you let that team go, and they would talk about it. There were games where they didn't call that timeout, and people would interview them. Hey, why didn't they call the timeout? We get it. That team was great. That team was ready for it. But maybe it is a mindset thing. You see people all the time talk about Casey being the type of coach who he has an archaic style of thinking. And I don't think it's old or archaic. I think it's a style that is usually reserved for winning teams. Right. And that's the case. And, you don't call a timeout. You let those stars and those guys figure it out on the court and go out there and prove themselves. And in a year of development, you see what you have in that. Because if it was Kay Cunningham out there in that Clippers game, I don't believe that they go down that way. No, they don't. And yeah, I, Atlanta Hawks game either. And another thing that Dwayne's kind of dealing with, and this is kind of why I, I do feel bad for him in a way, because you look at some of the situations, like for example, the Pistons, they went to OT against the Clippers. And I, I've people have told me, why didn't he play Ivy more in OT and this and that? And, and you've heard this conversation. Why are you playing Corey Joseph late in games, whatever? There's this push and pull for Dwayne this season between do I go with my younger players down the stretch and, and risk losing a game or do I 
get guys I trust and try to win a game. But here's the difference. If you lose with the guys you trust, then people criticize you. Why didn't you go to the young guys? But if you play Jay Nivey and you go to the young guys and you lose, this guy can't coach. He's not winning games. So it's Dwayne, he has a tough task. To, he has a tough job. He does. And his job for me was always player development. And I've been happy with the players I've seen so far. So it doesn't really go much beyond that. I mean, the rotations, yeah, you can criticize all that. They're not in a position to, to contend this year. So I don't really care about any of those things. Now, are players getting better? And do they look good? Ivy had a stretch where he was struggling. He's he's looked better. So that that's kind of what Dwayne's dealing with. And my heart kind of goes out to him in that way because it's like, what do you do in those situations? Do you play Burks because you trust him? Or do you play Killian Hayes to give him a shot? Or, or excuse me, Jay Nivey to give him a shot? But then you risk losing a game? Or do you try and win with your veterans? Like, it's this push and pull between tanking or winning. And uh, it's a tough job for any head coach. Yep. And we and I went over that with Rod this morning, the Jay and Ivy thing. And I want people to really, really, really keenly pay attention because have you seen what the last five to ten games looks like between the two of them? Uh, I'm sorry. There's not a comparison between Jay and Ivy and Benedict Mathis. It's just not. I pulled the stats, man. I, I pulled them up, too. because I don't I know that you might not know them right now. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to be able to talk um, knowing them. Because uh, I did this last week, um, especially on the Believe Network. I did um, a breakdown of the two guys. Uh, and people are like, ah, that's just a trend. Let's see where they go from there. Well, then the next five games after that, well, let's check it out. Uh, Jay and Ivy's last five games, bro. 19.4 19 points per game. Just under 20. And he had a 30-burger in that, in that stretch. 3.8 assists per game. 3.2 rebounds per game. He's shooting. From three over the last five games? What do you think he's shooting from three? Uh, 39. <laughs> 50%. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Damn. What what's, what's do you, you think he hit from the field, bro? Man, I'll, I'll say 50. 48.5. Okay, because if, if you're shooting 50 from three. <laughs> now, who? how many attempts are up the, uh, from three? The attempts, three attempts per game pretty good that's 1.4 like, makes per game on yeah he's about two or three you know what i mean like what about benedict mathern i know I, those up because that was a big thing too i i've always said i think jay Nivey just offers more in his game than ben like he just yeah he has a don't he do go, much more go don't go look at the uh don't go look at the uh the advanced metrics on their defenses jay Nivey is just a all-around better defensive player now I said this. People was talking about the scoring. Oh, man, he's scoring. He's scoring. He's scoring again. A 25, again, a 27. I was looking at the box score like there's a lot of ones and zeros throughout the rest of it. Yeah. And the thing is, I like Benedict Mathurin. I think the Pistons need a player like him next year. Now that you have a Cade, an Ivy, a Killian, right. you need that absolute, right. I don't care what else you do, just go out there and get buckets. The problem is what happens when those players can't do that. The last five games for Benedict Mathurin. You ready? Uh, 12 points per game, three rebounds per game. One assist per game. The shooting, what do you think his three-point percentage is? Uh 30. 18.8. Oh my. <laughs> Damn. What's what's his what you gotta at least tell me if you're shooting that bad, you gotta be playing pretty good defense. The what's he giving is me? Three point two attempts per game. Get, give like, me the steals and blocks. What's he get? What's he get? Let's get the steals. Because I need blocks. some I want to show some, they better be good defensively if you're struggling like that. Blocks per game, point two. Okay, steals per game, point four. So he ain't doing shit. So there you go. Right, He's well, not doing anything. And again, it's not a shot at Ben, but it it shows that with Ivy, the difference has always been how versatile Ivy is. His game is. 1.2 steals per game for Ivy. 
Ivy can play. He's a good defender. He can, he can pass the ball. He can rebound. He, now he's shooting better. So mm-hmm. the only thing Ben could do early on in the season better than Ivy was score the basketball. But I've always said Ivy can do so much more. That's why I value a guy like that because silly what where his absolutely, potential could go. Absolutely, he does. His, have he the leaves his imprint yet. on the game in so many different ways. Like unlike yep. Ben. Yep. Without the offensive polish of Ben Matherin, we all stated during our pre-draft, you know, in our draft coverage and everything that. What Ivy possesses and what he brings to the game is exactly what we've seen here. So whether he can score or not, we all knew Ivy's going to be the guy who can get you a raw 12 to 15 points per game just yeah, off yeah. of free throws. That's the other stat I wanted to wanted to bring up because people said, oh, Ivy can't get to the free throw line. But off of free throws, he's been averaging seven attempts per game over the last five games. Imagine if Cage could get that his rookie year. That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> but we stated Ivy's going to fall into 15, 12 to 15 points per game. Yeah. And with the rebounds and the assists, we wanted to see playmaking. When I wanted to criticize that, you said, was he asked to playmake? Right. We looked at him. He was like, no. Or was he asked? People brought up his defensively. What he was defensively. Like, was he asked was to Was he de- asked to defend? Yeah. Let me. That's what I got to pull up, man. Take it away. I'm going to bring up his the the, yeah. the defensive uh, metrics as because well. Because we, we talked about that before the draft. It's like with Ivy. He was the dude at Purdue. Now, how much of an offensive burden he had, the, the question was, does that take away a little bit of what he could do defensively? And I thought so, because obviously at the next level, it's different. Guys are playing in college. You're just trying to get to the next level. You're taking plays off. In the NBA, you can't take plays off. Like no. You're going to get exposed. Get so for down. Ivy, you're seeing all the stuff that people criticize him in college for kind of evaporate like defensively i thought even before remember troy weaver sat him down i challenge you to be a great defender mm. because you have a 610 wingspan and you're 64 like he has all the tools so far it's playing out that way he's been uh it, should we give Dwayne credit for that too or, or no i mean how well he's been defensively uh, he's improved defensively as well um and with his athleticism there's no question he can't be a great defender so yeah, um, it, that was always my my biggest thing. I was yeah. excited. That was one of the things I talked to you about early in the pod is I can't wait to see what he is as a defender. I couldn't wait. Yep. Yep. And, and it's interesting because this is what drew me to more or less the Dwayne Wade comparisons that right. he was a big body. He could defend multiple positions. And I'm starting to see him do that. more. The wingspan as well. The Dwayne wingspan. has a huge wingspan. He, you know, the way that he plays offense in the half court, it's different. He doesn't have to be as shifty as uh, John Morant. He can. He's literally in a position to where one one twitch and then off to the right, one twitch to the left, off to the right. He's mm-hmm. wide open, bro, wide open. Now he's getting himself into some trouble every now and then. Uh, errant turnover here and there. The shot selection, bad shot that, selection. That's, that's every now rookie, and then, rookie stuff you're seeing. But, but bro, we thought it was gonna be worse. We oh, thought, yeah. okay, his shot selection in the mid range. When he gets to that mid range, he just gets there. Is he gonna be? No, he he's not doing that. It's almost as if someone told him, "Hey, look, you get into the mid range, uh, pass or run through." Yeah. It seemed like just the way his game is now, as of late, since we've heard him talk about, hey, I'm working on this, we've seen him actually go out You, you know what's funny, too? When I was at the game on Monday, one thing I did see him do, to his credit, was take mid-range shots. I saw him take two. I was, I believe, in the second quarter. He missed mm-hmm. them. But still, the fact that he pulled up from mid-range, I was so proud. I'm like, yep. the fact that he's attempting these, man, because with that athleticism, John Morant does this very well with how athletic he is if he's coming full speed at you and you're at the rim or you're defending him you have no choice but to back up yeah. backpedal backpedal and jaw does this well where he has a floater he has these he doesn't have a, a mid-range shot but he could do things from mid-range that can still be dangerous Jaden ivy like you said it's either to the rack or i'm taking a three yeah. if he can add a floater or a mid-range shot think about how dangerous 
because now the the, the, the defender is going to be guessing at all times. And what's yeah. this guy going to do? You're, you're backing up. He's he's more athletic than you. You can't give him a step, but he also has a mid range shot or a floater he can hit you with, or he can shoot from three. Like he's going to be a eventually. I think he'll be a good three level scorer. But if he adds that in his game, man, how dangerous he's going to be getting to the line as often as he does. It's scary. Bro, you Makes me excited for his. I'm just man. like, hey, you you saying a word and. We have here, look, the rates, the steal rates, the block rates, and all that. You know, IV is effectively doubled up over the block rate, the steals rate, um, over uh, Benedict Mathern. Assist rate, 8% for uh, Benedict Mathern, 20.8% for mm. Jay and Ivy, bro. Like, even the rebound rate. Uh, let me see here, the rebound rate. The defensive rebounding rate, 10.8% for Benedict Mathern, 11.5% for Jay and Ivy. Like that's that's right. that's wild. Everything as it relates to the defensive side of the ball, we can keep going down to all the stats. Right. Jaden Ivy is outperforming Benedict Matherin. And as it relates to scoring over the last 10 games, he's outperforming Benedict Matherin. You know, and, and it's just these are the things that's why we talk about Pistons trends. We want to be able to come on here and be able to get into seeing beyond what the wins and losses might be making people feel and actually look at what's going on. Because if there are things that can take away from this season going into next season, right. like the development of these young players, we got to talk about it mm -hmm. and get lost in a bevy of fire. Casey, I ain't got no problem leveling with people in terms of, Hey, is he the long-term solution for the squad right now? It's not looking like it in terms of winning, but he's always been a win now coach. He is the type of guy who has he he gives that type of instillment and that type of faith. Now, is he a finishing coach? Yes. He might not be like the Flip Saunders. Right. He might not be the Rick Carlisle. He might not be those guys. He might be like a Larry Brown at this point in his career. Not necessarily apt to be in for long rebuilds. Not necessarily apt to be in a transition. Because next year, though we said it should be better, next year is going to be growing pains. It's not even going to be like this year where it's growing pains with the development. We're talking about probably seeing this team lose more games like the Clippers games last year. That's the growing pains where you see this team is good enough and then down the stretch some things might come apart. Right. That's what I actually expect to see more of, of this team if they have losses like that next year. But I expect them to be tremendously more competitive, more complete. And honestly, if I had to break it down, I guess before we kind of shut this part down, you know, we talked about K, we talked about the effect of losing him, you know, 106 mm -hmm. points in a clutch, 63 was the next closest person. <laughs> last year as a rookie that's, that's why to of, me. yeah that's unheard of he would help against the clippers bro but i want to end this one i want you guys to put in the comments too what how do you break down the percentage of blame for me and i'm gonna i'm gonna explain if there's a pie chart 50 percent of the blame right now is on troy weaver that's not saying that troy weaver is the person that should be fired i right, think right, he's right. doing a tremendous job but by blame i mean the responsibility it's going to be on him to assess which is what he should be doing where we blame him, where we say it's your fault that this team isn't, is what happens next season. Is this is this roster tremendously improved from uh, and on a better trajectory than it was last year, and the year before, and in the year before that? Right. Then we got to say he's doing the right things. But fifty percent of responsibility or blame, however you want to put it, is going to fall on him. After that, this is where it gets interesting for me. I'm only putting ten percent of the blame on Dwayne Casey right now. The other 40% of this blame is going to fall at the feet of the players for me, man. It's funny. That's just, just or, or no, no, uh, 50%, I'm sorry, is going to fall on the players. What, what I say, what? No, 50 Troy, 10 KC, 40 players. That's I was, my breakdown. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 30% Troy, 
20% Dwayne, 50% players. Because I think I think Troy has, you're right, more of a responsibility. He's the chef in the kitchen. And Dwayne, I, I don't think, you know, it's because, you know, it's funny. People bring up the NBA. Man, these teams don't need a coach. <laughs> like, you look at the Celtics. They Ime Adoka gets fired. Joe Mazzula gets promoted. They're the first in the East. But then when it comes to the Pistons, it's all coaching. And I get it's young right. players. You're different superstar players. But still, the fact that we're, it's picking and choosing. I don't think Dwayne Casey's the entire reason why this team stinks. No. He's uh, you could criticize him, but yes, it's 50% players. We mutually agree there. I mean, it's a players run league. You got to have superstars and these players aren't there yet. They're developing and they're getting better, but you don't have Cade. Cade was supposed to be that fringe all-star this year player for you. He's not there. So you have a bunch of guys that are kind of tweeners, you know, like Jaden Hivey looks good, but he's not at that point yet. Killian looks good, but he's not at that point yet. Right. You have a promising rookie. So um, that's that's probably where I'd go with it is uh, 30% Troy, 20% Dwayne, and, and uh, 50% of the players. Yep, yep. And as it relates to what it is, it's not even about like, oh, get him out of here. No, this is just about the responsibility. Like for me, my perspective is more or less who, like in terms of the players, I agree with Stu. Go out there and execute. Yeah. That Clippers game is on the players. Right. And you know what? Now they know it. Like Kay Cunningham after that first year. The quote that I think should epitomize this season, and I guess we can close on this, and and I got one more stat that I'm gonna read because I think that the vocal min the minority voices might be the minority. Um, but Cade said it coming into his second year. He's like, bro, I thought I knew what I what to do in my rookie year. Mm -hmm. I thought I worked out enough. I thought I did this. I thought I did that. And he stated he stated, coming into my sophomore year, now I know what the grind is. Now I know what to do. You know who doesn't have that? Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran. But we're depending on those guys to start. You know who still needs to develop that? Killian Hayes. But we're depending on him to start. Right. You know, and Bojan Bogdanovic, who this has to be one of the most frustrating seasons he's played in a long time. Absolutely. In a long time, bro. So I do see that there's some times where he's pressing. But um, I will leave you with this, man. I will leave you with this. Where do you think the Pistons rank in terms of attendance? Because the fans said that they would support a rebuild even if it's losing. And I know that we deal with people who come into the comments and we deal with stuff because it's Hey, it's a pretty big platform for what we write, right? From what you do, from what we do on this show, for what you do on Morning Woodward, from Half Court, all of it, man. Where would you say the Pistons are ranking? I'd say top five. Hmm. Not quite that high, but they are top eleven. They're just outside the top ten. Just outside the top ten. It's the Seventy Sixers, the Mavericks, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Heat, the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers. The Pistons, then the Lakers, Jazz, Warriors, Nets, Bucks, and so forth. So they're higher than the Warriors. The Warriors, the Bucks, the Nets, the Hawks, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the for Suns, team that stinks, the Magic. Man. For a team that stinks. I'm just sitting here. Their average per game is pretty up there. And you know what? I know what a lot of people want to say and try to say. Like, oh, you know, they might be inflating the numbers. It might be corporate buys. Bro, I'm there every home game. I'm taking the pictures. I'm posting it. Fans are showing up. Yeah, like I said, Monday was packed. Yep. It was packed. Yep. Even at day after Christmas. Packed. Absolutely packed. And I'm just sitting here looking at the rest of the numbers, too. Um, bro, this is interesting. On the road, Pistons are still a top 20 team. <laughs> They're still a top 20 draw on the road. That's interesting to me. Just something to, just something to leave with people. Right. Hey, get in here, man. Can we get Adam in here? You think we can get him in to say something? Get in here. He's saying he's saying he's him. saying explicatives right now. He's saying some. Adam Bay doing, ladies and gentlemen. When isn't this man cussing? <laughs> I gotta go deal with this man. Well, look, man, we're gonna uh, send it out. Yep. I think that we covered a lot in this trends. Next week, I definitely want to get into 
some of people's direct complaints about Casey. And really, you see, yo, are these things that have followed him here? Or are they things that are more indicative of where the team is in their growth? Right. Troy Weaver believes that he needs to give Casey a full complement of roster before he can start a true assessment. Right. But it'd be fun, man. You know what? We'll do this drum roll. For Rod. We'll the legend. Get it done. For Jeff Fire Freddy, Mr. Everything. I am Brandon Dent, Detroit Kool-Aid. And let's get that drum roll going. Hey, yo, for the legend, Detroit News, Rod Beard. We'll see you guys next time. Hey. Man, we got to get some more. Uh... Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.